A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other uh, and colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to go inside the numbers. Offensive year in review 2022 edition with our friend who, of course, covers the stats for us as our stats specialist over at PlayLikeAJet.com, Haley English. Haley, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to do a year review for the Jets. Well, year in review offensive edition. When we start with the offense, we have to talk situationally. And the Jets were a strange team when it came to the way that their scoring and their yards per down worked. For a team that ended up folding down the stretch, you wouldn't think that there would be such a disparity in terms of quarter-by-quarter scoring. But the fourth quarter is where they did a lot of their damage. If you go back and think about that Browns game when they made that comeback, Zach Wilson in the Pittsburgh Steelers game, Mike White even a little bit in that Vikings game, the Jets were forced to come back, and I guess that's where the disparity comes from. And then yards per play per down. On fourth down, the Jets really needed to pick up their efficiency on the times that they ended up having to go for it. And second down was really rough, so it would put them in tough positions on third down. So fourth down, when they went for it, they didn't get it all that often. And third down, they were often forced to operate from third and long because they weren't all that efficient on second down. Yeah, uh, like specifically by down, the yards per play on first down were 5.3, on second down, 4.8, on third down, 5, and then on fourth down, averaging 4.6 yards. 
So like five yards per third down, you can be like, oh, hey, they'd make all the third and shorts, but like they always be in those third and long situations. So five yards on third down always like wouldn't cut it for the Jets because they'd be constantly behind the sticks. And then by quarter, the Jets really were like, they would always start slow and first quarter, they'd only average about 57 yards per game, which is absolutely horrible. Like starting slow is one of their biggest problems throughout the season and then they'd pick it up in the second quarter and average around 91 yards of offense and then it would go down to 69 in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter you you saw the Jets averaging 100 yards of offense per game that's also because they were always playing from behind so like you see a team like the Buffalo Bills won't be averaging a ton of yards in the fourth quarter because they always be up like 20 points in the fourth quarter so they can just run the ball like burn the clock out but the Jets are always playing from behind so that's why they're averaging a ton of yards in the fourth quarter. As far as the receivers go on the Jets this season, Haley, I was a little surprised to see that they were 15th in receiving yards, although I guess a big part of that is A, Garrett Wilson was so good, and B, the Jets often had to throw a lot late, which, as we said, explains a big part of the reason why there was that yards disparity in the fourth quarter. So when you look at the Jets receiving yards, it's really more around middle of the pack than you would have expected. Garrett Wilson obviously destroyed everybody else with 1,103 yards. Nobody else even came close. Tyler Conklin was second. So Garrett Wilson had double the next guy on the list, which was Conklin. You would have thought that somebody like Corey Davis would have had more, but remember, he was hurt for a significant portion of the season. Elijah Moore, obviously a disappointing season with under 500 yards. Never would have expected that. After he had an electric stretch during his rookie year before he ended up getting hurt. And the reception percentage is strange with the team that had receivers that weren't dropping the ball much you would think the receivers would be higher in reception percentage but that was not the case with the Jets yeah the Jets quarterbacks really struggled in completion percentage this year and you really saw that through the receivers so you had um like specifically looking at Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore Garrett Wilson only had two drops on the season and Elijah Moore had zero but the reception percent was like bottom 10 in the NFL. So Garrett Wilson, he did have 1,103 yards, but he only caught 56.5% of the passes he was targeted on. And that's the eighth worst in the NFL. And Elijah Moore's reception percent was 56.9%. And that's the 10th worst in the NFL. So the Jets quarterbacks were targeting these receivers, but the, the passes were constantly sailing over their heads or like being thrown at the dirt. And that counts as a target for the receiver but it's nowhere near catchable for both Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. So that's why you see their uh, reception percent so low. But yeah, that's just another testament to the horrible quarterback play that the Jets had this season and only averaging 219 passing yards per game. It's 15th in the NFL. Like I was very surprised that it's that high of a ranking, but 219 passing yards per game is not very high. And you want to see a quarterback who can throw more yards per uh, game, move the ball down the field more than, Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson and even Mike White did. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. 
A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education, is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing (laughs) works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. As far as coverages, the Jets were terrible against man coverage. They were the worst in the league. And against zone, they were better, but still not great. So that tells you where the offense was at. But if you were an opposing defense, especially if you had solid cover guys, you just put them in man coverage, and then they were able to do really well against the Jets this year. Yeah, the Jets faced man coverage 30% of the time. That's fifth most in the NFL. And at one point in the season, about like halfway through, um, they were the worst offense against man coverage. Um, Garrett Wilson was great at winning the one-on-one battles, but um, yeah, just the quarterback like couldn't make the like the threading the needle throws to Garrett Wilson like and put him in a position to catch them. They faced zone coverage seventy percent of the time, um, and yeah, so that's a testament to the fact that the Jets were not great in terms of EPA uh, against man coverage. So you're seeing the Jets face a lot more man coverage than. Um, teams who are better against them. Haley, as far as the rushing attack goes, the Jets were actually really good when Brees Hall was healthy and really bad when he wasn't. Not super surprising, but you take a look at their rankings for the season and then you break down Brees Hall's individual performances and the contrast is very stark. It's absolutely insane, yeah. So the Jets uh, averaged 99 rushing yards per game. That's 25th in the NFL. And they were averaging 4.16 yards yards per carry. Um, that's 24th in the NFL. But if we look at the running back specifically, um, Brees Hall, he was the leading rusher on the team and he only played, I think, like six or seven games. So he had 463 yards this entire season um, and he averaged 5.8 yards per carry. So the Jets yards per rush, like on average throughout all the running backs, was 4.16 and Brees Hall averaged 5.8. So imagine if Brees Hall played the entire season, that average would, would have gone up significantly. Michael Carter had just over 400 yards and he averaged three and a half per carry. Donovan Knight, 300 yards, also averaged three and a half per carry. Then Ty Johnson, he didn't get a lot of rushes. Um, He only rushed for 160 yards, but he did average 5.3 yards per carry. That's a nice case for him to maybe make the team next year. Um, And then as far as looking at uh, games, so the Jets had four games where they rushed for over 150 yards. Um, two of those games were with Brees Hall, and then two the, the other two were against the Vikings and Bears. Again, 
two of the worst defenses in the NFL. They had two games with between 100 and 150 rushing yards. One of those was with Brees Hall. And then they had five games with 76 to 100 rushing yards. Four of those were with Brees. And then they had six games with under 75 rushing yards. And none of those games were with Brees. So that's, I think that's the biggest like testament other than the rushing yards um, per carry. But yet, no games with Brees Hall under 75 rushing yards. And I think a healthy Brees all season, you'd have not like six games where you have 75 and under rushing yards. And then just lastly, the game with the most rushing yards was week six versus the Packers, where they had nearly 180. And then the game with the least was week 18 versus the Dolphins, where they only had 38. Haley, when you look at the yards per carry, it really is a stark difference because Brees Hall was averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Carter and Knight were averaging three and a half yards per carry. He went to the season thinking that the combination of Hall and Carter was going to be a really good thunder and lightning. And to be fair, the offensive line was less healthy by the time Carter was given more responsibility because Hall had gotten hurt. But still, to see that big of a difference makes you wonder if perhaps Carter is the right guy to be the Robin to Brees Hall's Batman. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to do with the running backs next year because because Donovan Knight, he played well and had two games over 100 rushing yards. And Michael Carter was just almost like a big disappointment this year. So I don't know if they're going to try to keep Donovan Knight anti Johnson and then maybe shop Michael Carter, but it's going to be a really big question mark going into the season. Got to wonder what caused the regression with guys like Carter and Elijah Moore. And that's probably part of what factored into what happened with Mike LaFleur because those were two guys that were expected to be major contributors this past season. As we said, Elijah Moore under 500 yards receiving for the entire year. And of course, Michael Carter at 3.5 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done in any way, not as a feature back and not even as a complimentary back. Yeah. And like, if we want to move on to like Mike LaFleur and as far as this entire offense, um, one of the biggest problems he had was in the red zone. So like red zone efficiency, like the percent of the time you get a touchdown when, when you're in the red zone was only 43.5%. That's 31st in the league. So the Patriots are the only team below them. But yeah, Mike LaFleur constantly tried to like make these interesting and maybe different plays in the red zone and they would often like never work out. So I think bringing in an offensive coordinator that can just keep it simple in the red zone and just like try not to make these like flagrant plays, but get this team at the ability to score touchdowns instead of just settle for field goals every time. The Vikings game in a lot of ways was a microcosm for the entire season as it pertained to red zone offense, because as we know, the Jets had five chances to get in the end zone there and they weren't able to do it. And so when you take a look back at what happened in that game and then think about what you just laid out as far as the overall red zone efficiency, that Vikings game painted a very clear picture for Jets fans. Definitely. And even the third down conversion rate for the Jets was was not great. They only converted third downs 34.6% of the time. That's 28th in the NFL. So you see all these low rankings for the offense and it's just like, it's so sad to see. And hopefully with a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator next year, the Jets will be able to pick up the pace on offense and they only scored 296 points this season. That's an average of 17.4 points per game, which is 29th in the NFL. I know the Buccaneers and the Broncos are two of the teams below them. And their offensive EPA was negative 113, which is 30th in the NFL. So again, all these low rankings on offense, you need to improve that because your defense can't keep keeping you in games when the offense is not doing absolutely anything. 
And as we said, because of the poor second down efficiency, it put the team in very tough spots on third down. And that, I think, is a big part of the reason why they were 28th in the league in third down conversion at 34.6%. When the team is put in third and long situations that many times, only Justin Herbert is going to be able to pull you out of the fire. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be talking about Justin Herbert now in a negative way because of what happened in that playoff game, but I don't think anybody gets put in third and long situations having to bail his team out more than he does. The Jets don't have Justin Herbert to do that for them, though, and so when you have below-average quarterback play and a team that is constantly set up in third and longs, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it really is. The Jets really didn't do much on first and second down to put their team in a good position in order to be able to convert the third downs, and they were always in the third and long situation. Haley, we talked about the receiving, so let's talk about the passing. We know how bad it was, but my goodness, when you see it on paper, it really is astounding. We're talking about a league now that is a very pass-heavy league. It's very difficult to win without quarterback play that's at least around league average. The Jets had nothing even close to that. They had arguably the worst quarterback play in the entire NFL this year. They only had five games with 300-plus passing yards this season out of 17. If you were to go throughout the rest of the NFL, you're going to see how low that is. Back years ago, that would have been considered really good because 300 yards passing was something that you didn't see very often, but nowadays you see it all the time. The Jets only had 200 to 300 passing yards six times out of 17 games. That's crazy. They had below 200 passing yards five out of 17 games in a league that's so reliant on the pass. It's tough to win like that. It's easier when you have Brees Hall, like we talked about before, when you don't have him and you're passing that poorly it's next to impossible, and that's a big part of the reason why the Jets fell apart down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. And then adding two games with less than 100 passing yards really does not help. Their worst game uh, was Zach Wilson versus the Patriots, where he only threw for 44 yards. That was the game where it was just tied at 3-3 the entire time, and the Patriots ran back the punt return to end the game uh, for a touchdown. But yeah, uh, only having four games with 300 plus passing yards was absolutely horrible. Um, and you're stuck. Like when you get stuck in that 100 to 200 passing yards, uh, which has had five games at that, uh, you're not really going to win games. And Brees Hall bailed out the offense like multiple times this season. And then once he went down, once Elijah Barrett Tucker went down, um, there was no bailing out of the offense with the run game um, and the lack of like quarterback play. So that's a big need uh, going into the offseason. And Definitely something like the biggest um, problem the Jets need to address. Haley, we did touch on Mike LaFleur before. You could go either way on him in terms of making an argument for him to stay, making an argument for him to go, because you could say there were injuries, he was stuck with poor quarterback play, there were things that were out of his hands, like for example, when you go back and watch the tape, there were times where receivers were open and the quarterbacks just weren't seeing them. If you'll recall, the Jets had a receiver or more open on 75% of their plays against the Detroit Lions. Zach Wilson just wasn't and seeing them most of the way and so certainly that factors into it but overall when you look at the complete picture you can certainly see why the Jets felt like there had to be changes made offensively with the coaching staff right yeah definitely and the biggest stat again for me was that red zone efficiency um like only scoring touchdowns on 43 percent of red zone trips and that's second to last in the league so and being the Patriots were behind them. They also fired Matt Patricia. So I think that's a really good stat to determine um, 
like the play calling style of the offensive coordinator and that really needed to change. And I hope that the guy that the Jets bring in um, will be able to have this offense um, score more points uh, in touchdowns than field goals. And Haley, that's why even though we're doing a show called Inside the Numbers, sometimes you have to understand what the numbers actually mean and process them properly because if you can't score once you're inside the 20s, you can look at all the raw yardage totals and all of that, and that's nice. It looks good on paper, but it doesn't tell the important part of the story. This is something that was a problem for the Carolina Panthers a couple of years ago. If you'll recall, they had two 1,000-yard receivers in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, it looked like Teddy Bridgewater on paper was having a pretty good year. But if you talk to any Panthers fan or anyone that covered the team, they would tell you that offense was brutal because what would happen is they would go down the field. And then once they got inside the 20, they weren't able to punch it in. They would settle for field goals. And so that offense would end up not being all that productive, even though on paper it looked like they were. And so that's something that people have to be very cognizant of when they review the Jets offensive stats, because like you said, that red zone efficiency tells you you so much of what you need to know about what the Jets were not able to do as an offense in 2022 and what they need to fix going forward beginning in 2023. Exactly. Like you can accumulate as many yards as you can and as many yards as you want, but if you're not putting points on the board, you're not going to win games. And that's a big problem that a big problem that the Jets had and um, hopefully will be fixed in the future. Sounds like something that should be common sense that you need to put points on the board, but it is crazy when we get lost in the stats sometimes. We look at yardage totals and things like that and then don't think about the other things like, okay, you got all these raw yards, but did it result in points? And when you take a look at what happened with Mike LaFleur, I'm sure that's something that weighed into the decision. But what are some other things that the stats that we just discussed make you think the new offensive coordinator is really going to have to work on and maybe even perfect in order for the Jets to have a successful offense in 2023? I think the biggest thing is just getting the quarterback to um, get the ball to the open receiver. Like that completion percent the Jets have struggled with for so long. Like quarterbacks have been off target almost every year, it feels like. And I feel like it, I feel like it hasn't gotten better. So I think improving that completion percent um, in quarterbacks to the receivers will help this team tremendously um, avoiding the passes that are just thrown in the dirt, avoiding the high passes. I know that's a lot of it's on the quarterback, but the offensive coordinator needs to like make the plays to make it the easiest for the quarterback to get um, to find the open receiver. And checking down may not exactly be the sexiest thing on earth, but sometimes it works and it's something the Jets had a lot of trouble with specifically Zach Wilson. So even though that's not exactly the most colorful part of a passing offense, if they can improve in that area, and you would think that Brees Hall coming back should help because he's somebody that can make plays out of the backfield as a receiver, that would go a long way towards correcting the problem because you got to walk before you can run, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, even improving the running game that for running backs that are not in a and Brees Hall, like, yes, like Brees Hall is amazing. You can rely on his athleticism and ability to break tackles, get open and everything. But you need to make the offensive line, like you need to give the offensive line the ability to like create the holes for other running backs that, that don't have the raw like athleticism and ability as Brees Hall. The Jets had a team that was very competitive for much of the year. They've got some foundational pieces on offense and defense, but 
They've got a lot of work ahead of them. They need to get a new quarterback. They need to fix their offensive line. As Haley said, they need to figure out what they're going to do at running back past Brees Hall. So those things need to be worked on. And if they are improved to a satisfactory level with somebody at offensive coordinator who knows how to operate those pieces, then perhaps the Jets will improve upon the statistics that Haley and I just spoke about, which were, for the most part, very, very poor in 2022 with the Jets offense. Haley English, our stats specialist over at playlikeajet.com. Thanks so much for coming on. How can people talk Jets with you and follow you on social media? And what do you have planned coming up over at playlikeajet.com? Yeah, so I'll be doing um, write-ups of both the offensive defense uh, on playlikeajet.com. Um, I post some stuff to Twitter. Um, my username is at HaleyEEnglish17. We'll be working on what free agents the Jets need to sign, looking at the draft once that comes, and some other cool projects coming uh, this offseason. Make sure you follow Haley on Twitter and check out her work over at playlikeajet.com. Check out everything we're doing over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some fantastic All-22 breakdowns up there right now, so watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there. tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. 
teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.